Hello and welcome to Developing the Leader Within Podcast, an award-winning podcast where I interview the top players in the leadership arena and we dissect leadership, management, and career development from all angles. My name is Enrique Acosta-Gonzalez and I use my more than 20 years of experience in leadership development to dig deep into complex issues and bring you the answers you were looking for. If a topic resonates with you, and you would like to explore how to overcome it, reach out to me at calendly.com backslash triad leadership solutions to discuss ways to succeed. Welcome back, everybody, to the very last episode of Developing the Leader Within (laughs) podcast for 2021. I was just uh, chatting with Chester that this was an intentional podcast. This was specifically geared to help you go into 22 with a sense of gratitude. But this morning I have Chester Elton with me. I have been uh, eagerly waiting for this moment. He is a dear friend. He doesn't know it, (laughs) but he's a mentor as well. Looking at his books that have just come out. Uh, anxiety and at work. And it is truly an honor for me, Chester, to be with you this morning and to share this platform with you. Well, thank you so much. You know, I, I appreciate the invitation and your time is precious. So I appreciate you giving us your platform to amplify our messages as well. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Now, uh, Chester, Tell us a little bit about you for those that may not know you, which it might be surprising to me, but <laughs> there may be people that don't know you. A little, about, uh, a little bit about you and how you got to this gratitude thing. Uh, well, thanks, Enrique. You know, um, my co-author is Adrian Gostick. We've become not just, you know, business partners, but dear, dear friends. I consider Adrian part of the family. He's my brother. And for basically tw- just over 20 years now, we've been researching great cultures, you know, leadership. Uh, we've built a wonderful executive coaching uh, practice as well. And it's really, it's really been a fun journey because it, it started with gratitude. You know, we worked for a recognition company. That's where we met. He was the VP of communications. I was a sales guy. I had this idea with our CEO that we should write a book. Um, about recognition in the workplace, you know, how all, all the positive ripple effects of when you feel recognized and valued and appreciated. And um, it was so funny because the idea originally was that the company would write this book because I was a salesman, right? And I, I, I was looking for advantage Chester in the sales field, right? That if the company wrote this great book, that it would help me sell. People would call me because we'd be the thought leaders, right? And our CEO at the time, uh, Kent, uh, Kent Murdoch said, we'll write the book. And, and I said, Kent, I, I'm not a writer and I have crushing sales quotas and you should write the book. And then I would benefit from this book. Right. And uh, this was the turning point. He said, you know what, Chess, you're a smart guy. Figure it out. Isn't that interesting? So I went, oh, OK, you know, your CEO tells you to do something. You should probably consider it. <laughs> and uh, I played with a lot of ideas for almost a year and he called me back and this is what gets really interesting. And he said, Hey, I just hired a writer. You've got some ideas. He can write, write the book. And that was Adrian. So we wrote a a year later, it was the year 2000. We dropped a book on his desk called managing with carrots. 
So carrot became our, you know, our, our, our logo, our metaphor, our mascot. Um, orange is my favorite color now. Yeah, I wear orange every day. Yellow is your color. Yeah. And um, who knew that 20 years later, we'd have written 14 books together. And, we, you know, we've presented in 40 plus countries around the world. I was just in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago. And, and this message of gratitude. So, you know, our work is in culture leadership team. It's really interesting that we have never studied a great culture, never studied a great leader or team where there wasn't that red thread of gratitude. And, and so I love that you're ending the year with gratitude because I've come to the conclusion that a gratitude attracts gratitude, you know, positive people attract positive people. And a friend shared this with me the other day. And I find it to be true that there are very few problems in your life, in the world, that can't be solved with a big dose of gratitude. What do you think about that? Do you agree? I I definitely agree. And, you know, gratitude has been part of my life for the better part of my life. But here in the last 10 years, gratitude has kind of jumped up a notch where it is the very first thing that I do. The very first thing I do is just put myself in a place of gratitude. And to your point, just a little bit of, of that will, will go and seep into the entire dough of your day. And it's amazing what happens uh, from there. Um, I saw you speak and have seen many videos of you talking about gratitude. I love the orange. Now I know exactly <laughs> where it came from uh and i love it that you know what's funny there you go what's funny is that i actually have an orange shirt that looks yellow today (laughs) (laughs) but i wore it because you have orange but you know it's it's part of that gratitude sharing you know i i decided on an orange shirt because i'm grateful for you and what you do and that and that perpetuates right and so we're talking about leadership and gratitude culminating here, the 21, uh, the year 21. And there's so much that can cause, you know, towards like just focusing on your book there in the background that can cause so much anxiety. Uh, the last two years have been a very anxious uh, two years with a lot of loss, a lot of hurt. And so sometimes it could seem that where do you pull gratitude from, right? So share a little bit uh, about how those two meet. How, how, how does an anxious population that we're surrounded with find gratitude? You know, it's such an insightful question because you wouldn't ever, you wouldn't think you could put the two together, right? <laughs> and yet, you know, in our research and, and, uh, a little bit about our, our book, um, Anxiety at Work. You know, we always are Gostick and Elton. It's Adrian Gostick and Chester Elton in all our books, except for this one. It's Adrian Gostick and Chester Elton and Anthony Gostick. It's Adrian's son, who is a classic millennial, um, super smart kid. He's studying mapping DNA and genomes and stuff at USC. Uh, we laugh that he takes classes that we have no shot at spelling or pronouncing right? He's, he's that smart. 
And he was the one that said to us, look, you oldies never talk about anxiety. My generation, it's all we talk about. And I think the pandemic really uh, put a focus on that because in our research, we found that the number one cause of anxiety is uncertainty. Well, these are the most uncertain times of generations, right? Um, you know, I just got my my booster shot today. And I got to tell you, I was a little anxious about it. You know, I thought, you know, they said, okay, I, I had the Pfizer, but we recommend that, you, you know, you can mix it and the Moderna is a little better. And so we decided to get the Moderna booster shot. And while they're doing thinking, ah, you know, am I making the right decisions here? And am I going to get sick? And, you know, we thought this thing was kind of, you know, wrapping up and so many people had been vaccinated. Now there's all these variants. That kind of stuff causes a lot of anxiety. So we developed eight strategies in how to deal with that. Interestingly enough, the eighth strategy, and like you want to end the year with gratitude, we wanted to end our book, is gratitude. That in the midst of all this uncertainty, in the midst of all this information overload and so on, to take a deep breath and say, you know what, in all of this mess, there is still so much to be grateful for. I love that you start your day with gratitude. You know, I, I read a wonderful book called Think Like a Monk. It's a great book, by the way. And he said, what is your mantra? You know, develop a mantra. You know, he, he was a, a monk in a monastery in India. And I, I gave that a lot of thought. And I thought, well, what should my mantra be? How should I start my day? And so when my feet hit the ground, and I, I have to confess, I don't do it every day. So this is a great reminder. So thank you. Is to say, look, be kind, be grateful, and be of service. And I find that, you know, the world needs a big dose of, of kindness. It needs a big dose of gratitude. And I think when you're in service to others and less focused on your own worries, that helps you through the day. How can I be of service? What can I do to make someone else's day a, a little better? So a long answer to a great question. I hope that made sense. This idea that uh, gratitude can help you with anxiety is absolutely true. And, and last thing, so that I can make this an even longer answer, is that... Um, you know, your mind isn't, your brain isn't wired uh, to keep you happy. Your brain is wired to keep you safe. And that's why we're always looking for danger. So to rewire your brain to say, okay, I, I am pretty safe. Now, what am I grateful for? Uh, and you can't be in a state of anxiety and a state of gratitude at the same time. So once you start to, to breathe and however you do it with your mantra or your meditation, to focus on gratitude, that's going to calm your soul. That's going to calm you down. And that's going to put you in a place where now I can have a clear head. I can get things done. I can be of service. Does that make sense? I, I love it. I love it. And, you know, you key me into this thought of gratitude is truly a decision. You right. have to decide what you're going to be dealing with. Are you going to try to tackle anxiety all day or are you going to say i have a super weapon for anxiety and it's called gratitude and you can cancel anxiety out by choosing gratitude and so i love that how you how you put those two together there um you know i'm one that can tell you that because i am grateful the majority of my day I seldom see anxiety pop up. I seldom, I was asked the other day, what, uh, what worries do you have? And 
I just could not think of one. <laughs> just yeah. couldn't. Yeah. And yeah. so it's not that I don't have any. It's just that it's not the number one thing on my mind. It, it, it you know, it, it's, it's, if all fails, <laughs> then worry. Right. So uh, yeah. it's, it, it's, I love that. You know, it's interesting, of course, in our research for the book, and by the way, we have a database of over a million engagement surveys and, and another 100,000 of what we call our motivators assessment. And it's really interesting as you come across personal practices, you know, we have a podcast, Anxiety at Work, and I encourage you to listen. It's, it's, it's you know, it's doctors, it's therapists, it's business leaders, uh, and so on, and how they have dealt with their anxiety and and two things i'd love to share with your your listeners one is is as you mentioned throughout your day you continue to think about what you're grateful for there was a fascinating study this isn't in the book by the way of of top tennis players and i, I come from a tennis family I, I love tennis right i'm playing more doubles now than singles as you might guess as you get older but um and they said what's the difference between the top 10 and the bottom 90 because Physically and talent-wise, the difference is minuscule. And yet the prize money after the top 10 falls off a cliff, right? So they started to interview all these great tennis players. And they found that one of the big differentiators between the top 10 and the bottom uh, 90 was self-talk. How did they talk to themselves when it got tense? Because as you know, being a tennis player yourself... When you get tight, you don't play well. You hit the ball out or in the net, and it's because you're tense. So you've got to be loose. So what do they tell themselves to stay loose and stay in the moment? Um, Pete Sampras, the legendary tennis player, said, oh, I have a, I have a, a self-talk mantra, and it is all is well. So no matter what the situation is, I tell, you know what? All is well. In other words, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And I started to use it. And you know what? It's great. It really is. First serve doesn't go in. All is well. You know, second serve. You know, you just say, look, just go to the next thing. And it was interesting. Here's your quiz, Enrique. They only found one legendary tennis player in the top 10 whose negative talk actually made him play better. Name that player. McEnroe. Absolutely. Everybody gets that right. If you know anything about tennis, there's what there's always an exception to the rule, right? And it's John McEnroe. Now, the other thing that uh, and you've mentioned it that we found, we did a study on long distance runners and Navy SEALs. And in the Navy SEAL program, you know, they put them through these ridiculous tests. I mean, you, you and I would be out in the first five minutes, right? And they said, you know, within the first day or two, we can tell who's going to make it and who's not. And we put them in two categories. One is the taskers and the other are the optimizers. And the taskers are the people that just kind of do the next thing. What's the next task? The optimizers are those that look at the big picture. It'll get better. If we get through this, then we can get to that. Then we can get to that. Which group do you think makes it through the rigorous testing to be a Navy SEAL? The the taskers or the optimizers? What would be your guess? I would say the optimizers. You know, that's what I said too. And you know what? We're both wrong. <laughs> and the reason being is, is that the optimizers, when it doesn't get better, and in most of these tests, it doesn't, 
they start to lose hope. The taskers are like, let's just do the next thing. And let's just get through the next thing. They sleep better. They're not worried about the future. They're, they're very much in the present. Long distance runners, we would talk to them and say, when you start the race, do you think about the end of the race? And they go, oh, no. You never think about the end. You just think about the next telephone pole, the next hydration station. Sometimes you just think about, I just got to get this foot in front of that foot. You know? And, and I think, you know, for your listeners and for me, because I tend to think of myself as an optimizer, I'm looking at the big picture. Don't do that, particularly when you've got a busy day. Just get to the next appointment. And when that's done, say, fine, success, check the box, get to the next one. And that, that again, quiets that monkey brain, you know, and allows you to just say, all is well. It's going to be okay. Let me get to the next thing. I love, I, I love that, Chester, because I also use all as well. That's uh, it's so That's funny. a great mantra. Yeah, it is. Uh, I, I mean, I learned that biblically to say that, you know, and it does open up the possibilities of resolutions for whatever it is that you're facing when you already proclaim that it's all good. It's all right. Um, yeah. The funny thing is, as a Navy veteran, I understand the SEAL thing. I got it <laughs> wrong because I'm not a SEAL. So right, there you go. <laughs> Neither am I. Right? So, uh, and, you know, so it's, it's nice to see. I do agree with you. Uh, those that, that just go to the next one. And I, I did long distance running as well. So I knew you don't look, you don't think about the end. You say, what's the next point? <laughs> what's the next yeah. point? And, yeah. and it's true. Um, so, so interesting that all three of those things would come together and they do, they do relate to me in, in one way or another. Now, we're talking about leadership. Leaders are listening to this. Gratitude seldom seen. I don't know why, but it's seldom seen. It's always, there's something always pressing. Before you get to a leader, I always try to encourage the leaders that I work with to focus on them as a person first. Right. Because they can it's easy to just pawn off your responsibilities on the title or the position. I always bring them back to them. Why is it that you you may that you may tell me why? Why is it that a leader may have a hard time with a mentality of gratitude? You know, again, uh, really insightful that you'd bring that up because I think so many leaders, they think of gratitude or leading with gratitude. Now, you know, we wrote leading with gratitude right as the, we launched it right as the pandemic. Uh, not the best time to launch a book, by the way. And either you finger launching a book, don't launch a book, uh, you know, as a pandemic hits because everything shuts down. Um, and it's interesting. We studied some really great leaders. And they all led with gratitude. You know, Alan Mulally, the guy that saved the Ford Motor Company. Gary Ridge, one of my favorite leaders, the CEO of the WD-40 company, phenomenal culture and ridiculous business results. Uh, Ken Chenault, the recently retired CEO of American Express. Indra Noyi, recently retired as the CEO of Pepsi. And we asked them that. We said, no, so why do so many leaders not lead with gratitude? And they said, you know, it's perceived as a soft skill, not a hard skill. And many leaders say, look, we're doing hard things. 
you know, we got to do hard things. And they're afraid that if they lead with too much gratitude, that they'll be perceived as soft and people will take advantage of that. So it's really interesting. So Ken Chenault said, you know, uh, gratitude, you know, you may perceive as you're not demanding. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. He says, that's not true. You can be very demanding and lead with gratitude. In fact, the most demanding leaders that we had the you know, privilege to interview were all very demanding of their people, very rigorous. And at the same time, boy, when those people delivered, they were all over them with, I know how hard this was. I know how much you sacrificed. I can't tell you how grateful I am for you sticking it out. This was not easy and you did it. Great story, um, Alan Mulally, right? So they bring him in. This is the last recession. He's, he's telling these hard-nosed, sharp-elbowed, you know, automobile executives that they've got to focus on their people and love them up. And they're like, I don't think so. I don't think you get, Alan, you know, what's going on here. And, and he said, you have to trust me on this. It's going to work. Well, the Detroit Auto Show, you know, one of the great auto shows out there, he, he, he gets to take the stage as the new CEO. I mean, this is his moment. And he's launching the new Taurus, which was a big part of their turnaround. And there he is on the main stage. And I love that he did this. He said, isn't this a beautiful car? Look at that shine. You know who made that thing shine? These guys in the front row. And he brought them up on the stage. They were the maintenance guys. And he said, this car would not look this good without these guys. Let's give them a big round of applause. Now, the message there is what? Everybody matters. And these guys worked hard. They knew that this was going to, this car was going to be launched to the world. And they're the guys in the background. They never expected to be pulled up on stage. I, I love that. He was demanding. He wanted the car to be perfect. It was. And he wanted to make sure that he thanked those guys in front of everybody. One of my favorite stories of all time. And by the way, for those of you that are listening that get to go into the office, you know, maybe it's once a week or whatever. I want you to do something. I want you to call the building maintenance guys. And I want the conversation to go something like this. Hey, um, this is Chester. I'm up on the fifth floor. I just want to tell you, all the lights work. The temperature is perfect. The place is spotless. Thanks so much for creating a great workplace for me today. Because I got news for you. Those guys never get that call. <laughs> the only calls they get are lights are burned out. It's too hot. It's too cold. The door is broken. You call them up. I, I did this when I was working in New York. In, in typical New York. Guy says, yeah. I said, seriously, I just want to thank you. Everything's great. He goes, what are you, like some kind of a wise guy? <laughs> I said, no, seriously. What are you, you like jerking my chain? I go, no, seriously, I know you guys never get this call. Thank you very much. He goes, oh, well, uh, thanks. <laughs> just, just have some fun. Your mailman, go out and say, hey, you know what? I never, the mail shows up every day. You know, you're awesome. Give him a bottle of water. Don't you love the, the stuff from the doorbell uh, cameras? And we did this, you know, you put a little uh, bucket of treats out there and say, hey, thanks for delivering our packages. Grab a water, grab a candy bar. And it just, they're just, it costs you nothing. So again, why don't leaders do it? 
they're they're perceived as it's soft people take advantage and yet when you do it of course you can be demanding and then when that gratitude shows up everything gets better we say you get the soft stuff right the hard stuff gets easier and that is an absolute gospel truth write that down <laughs> and i i believe that you know and i'm laughing over here almost in tears of your your new york story because as a new yorker <laughs> I could see that going down just <laughs> like that. It's what are you, a wise guy? Like, no, seriously, man. <laughs> you know, and, and folks that get that type of communication from somebody that is grateful, it's so absent that it seems weird, you know, when you get it. And so I hope that the le- leaders that are listening will take your challenge there uh, to make somebody's uh, holiday or day, just day, simple day, a whole lot better. Because I tell you, it goes a long way. And with the type of years that we've had had for the last two years, you'd be amazed at who is really hurting, but is, are not saying anything. So leaders, this is and it may be a soft skill, but it makes you a champion if you have it on board in your daily practice and as a habit to infuse life because that's what it does. Oh, yeah. You infuse life into someone else's uh, life and then it perpetuates because I tell you what, that guy, that service guy that thought you was pulling his chain uh, went back home about that yeah i I guarantee you 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 know two things just really quick that you can do anybody can do it and this was a the first one is a tip i got from a friend of mine kevin monroe and he's just oozes gratitude right he just he's he's a minister of a church up in chicago and uh i just love the guy to death we've never met in person you know in their virtual world right um he asked me he says uh hey chester do you do you ever you know give money or food to the homeless, you know, in New York and where you live. And I said, yeah, I do. Probably not as much as I should. But yeah, I do. He said, uh, do you ever ask their name? And I said, uh, no, no. He goes, next time, try this. Go up and say, hey, how's your day? It's great. Say, is there anything I can do for you? And they'll always say, well, if you've got some food or some cash. And then ask them, say, you know what? My name's Chester. What's your name? He said. And tell me what happens. So sure enough, you know, a few days, maybe it was a week later, we were out for a walk with the family. I live in Summit, New Jersey. And, you know, we've got a, a homeless population. Our, our city actually takes pretty good care of them, I, I think, you know. Anyway, we saw a guy up on a, on a bench. We were walking the park and clearly homeless. And I said to my son, Carter, I said, hey, let's go talk to him. He goes, because it was cold. And we went up and said, hey, how's it going? He goes, eh, okay. I said, is there anything we can do for you? And he said, well, if you got some food or cash, I said, you're in luck. We got both. We had like a um, um, a little candy bar, not, um, a granola bar and, uh, and $5. And I said, by the way, um, this is my son, Carter. My name's Chester. What's your name? He goes, oh, my, name, my name's Brian. I said, hey, Brian. Listen, it's cold out. We're delighted to help you out. Here's, here's a little cash and here's a little food. He goes, well, thanks, man. I said, are you following the football? 
He goes, yeah. I said, are you a Jets fan? He goes, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> I said, me too. Well, all of a sudden, it went from the homeless guy and the to just Brian and Carter and Chester talking football. So I called um, I called him back and I said, hey, I did that. Boy, did it make a difference? He said, and here's why. Homeless people already feel invisible and they appreciate the offering. They're still invisible. Once you know their name, they're not invisible anymore. And it's such a great tip. And it takes you another couple of minutes. And I get that maybe you're running to the train or whatever. To your point, when was the last time you could be a hero for five bucks? You know what I mean? Now, the second one, and I just did it this morning. I uh, I found on Amazon, I would like to say that I craft these myself, but I don't. <laughs> they're these little gratitude stones. And they're little polished rocks and it's engraved gratitude on it. And I know you can get some and say hope and happiness and joy, whatever. I get a big bag of gratitude rocks and I carry them with me. So this morning we went, it's a little walk-in at our community center to get my booster shot. And, you know, they're doing all, they've got to check all your stuff and, you know. And I went up and said, hey, how's your day so far? She goes, eh, it's okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's nine o'clock. Her day just started. Anyway, we do all this stuff. And I said, hey, listen, thank you so much for doing this. I know it's, it's not much fun. In it. But here's a little token, a little expression of gratitude to thank you for keeping us all. She goes, oh, well, thank you so much. I, I, I'll put this on. I said, you know, we all have something to be grateful for. She goes, you know what? We do. So then I go in and I'm waiting and, and the gal who's going to give me the shot does all that stuff. I said, you know, thank you so much. You're opening up the world. And I had another one and I just gave her a little gratitude stone. I said, just a little token from me to you. Just remember how grateful we are. I know your days are long. She goes, oh, I'm going to treasure this. Enrique, it's a rock. I didn't give her a cougaran. I didn't give her a Fabergé egg. Just a little expression of gratitude. And what I like about this, I said, you know, put it in your pocket. It'll bring you good luck. And just remember, as the toughest times are, we've all got something to be grateful for. She goes, I'll do that. Two simple little practices. Ask their name and some kind of token. Maybe it's a thank you card. Maybe you've got a little wristband that says, keep on keeping on, whatever it is. I love the little gratitude stones. They cost like a dollar. And again, when was the last time you could be your hero for a buck? I, I tell you, Chester, I, I'm almost in tears over here. So I was kind of holding up to the to the table because it's so easy to flip somebody's script from a time of turmoil and hurt and pain with a $1 rock, with a $5 bill, with a piece of, of candy bar. And, you know, back to the homeless uh, story there they are people they are people that were born and given a name and through their circumstances they've lost that identity and everybody's labeled homeless on them right and so I could see that I could feel it while you were saying I'm like oh lord you know the many times that I did provide a, a, a meal or a couple of dollars or you know, the real impact was missed because I didn't identify them as a living person. I just saw them as uh, an opportunity to bless 
but bless who, right? And yeah. so, yeah. so important, so important. Thank you know, you it's, it, 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 it is so easy to do. And, you know, we all have mentors. We all have people we look up to. Boy, I, I you know, and you want to become more like them. And it's so interesting. And we, we, we look at great personages in history. You know, I grew up in Canada and uh, part of the Commonwealth, the, the British Empire. You know, the sun never set on the British Empire. And so you have stories of, you know, Winston Churchill and, of course, Gandhi, who, you know, threw off the yoke of the English, right, to liberate India and so on. And you say, gosh, these were people that really just were of service, stepped up in hard times. One of, one of my favorites really is, is Jesus Christ. Now, whether you believe he's your Lord and Savior or just a good guy, the way that his life is recorded, there's a wonderful scripture in Acts, and it said, and, and Jesus Christ, and he went about doing good. <laughs> I just looked at it. He went about doing good. And I thought, that's a great calling. I'm just going to go, about, and I'm just going to do some good today. In, in my faith, there's, there's a hymn, have I done any good in the world today? Have I helped anyone in need? Have I lift up the sad, made someone feel glad? If not, I have failed indeed. And I think, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of money. And here's what I love. A good friend of mine, you might know um, the name Curtis Martin, a legendary NFL running back, played for my beloved Jets. And he's, he's, he's got a ministry right now, and he, and he helps people and, you know, broadcasts. And he's, he's, he's fabulous. And the thing I love about him is he taught me about the ripple effect. I mean, we've all thrown a stone in the pond, seen the ripple effect. What I love about the, the ripple effect of gratitude is, and you mentioned it earlier, you call the guy in maintenance, and he'll tell his family. You give somebody a little stone and they share it with their family or with a friend. The thing that I love most about the ripple effect is that it ripples back on you. You know, it's what your parents taught you when you were five years old. It's better to give than to receive. Why? Because when you give, you always receive. So, yeah, I felt great about making that guy's day and asking him his name and giving him a little cash and a little, a little food. But I walked away feeling good, too. I did a little good in the world today. I helped somebody in need. You know what I mean? So, you know, you say, oh, well, you know, if I have time or blah, blah, blah. If you're having a tough day, go serve somebody else. Go say thank you to somebody else. Write a note. Write a letter. Mail it off. Trust me. Your day will get better. I promise you. Your day. Will. And that's the ripple effect. And as an oceanographer, I know that very well. You know, it's there's so much that happens from point of impact. And then after there, you know, because you get that, you do, you get that bounce back. And on top of that, you make you make noise that pro propagates throughout that medium, right? So it's a lot that happens from that one act. And it's incalculable. You You just cannot calculate the impact you have as a leader or just as a person to do something like that. Uh, because I've often said, you know, and I focus on poor leadership, leadership development, things like that. And I always tell the story of the dinner table, uh, the dinner table talk, yeah. dinner table talk. 
as a leader, do you want to be the focus of that dinner table talk? Because that's what happens when you both have uh, experienced something great that day or experienced something not so great. So, uh, Chester, we're coming to a close of our talk here. We've discussed gratitude in ways that I did not think we would, but I am so happy that it went this way. There are leaders out there trying to find that place where you know soft skills are, are not perceived as weakness, right. uh, and they're afraid. They're afraid to go down that journey because it's been proven year after year, time after time that leaders don't want to tread down that road. What can you advise them in terms of gratitude that they can start taking steps towards it and experience what we've been talking about? Absolutely. You know, let me share with you the wisdom of uh, one of my favorite leaders. And we've actually become really good friends. His name is Gary Ridge. He's the CEO of WD-40. I know you got a can. <laughs> we all do, right? And he's created what he calls a tribal culture as a leader. He says, look, it's it's more than being a coworker or a teammate. In a tribe, we look out for each other. We defend each other. We eat together. We celebrate together. Now, he's made it very safe in his company because he says, look, we don't make mistakes at WD-40. We have learning moments. Everything is a learning moment. Now, do you know what WD-40 stands for, by the way? I, I know, being in the Navy, you probably used gallons of WD-40. Yeah, right. WD-40 stands for water displacement, 40th formula. So in their headquarters, they call it their TP because it's a tribe. You go up these steps and they, they, they talk about, did we make 39 mistakes before we got to the 40th formula? I said, actually, no. We had 39 learning moments. Now, think about that as a leader. When you create a culture that says, look, 99.9% .9 of the people that come to work every day, they want to do a good job. I know there's always an exception, just like John McEnroe, right? There's always an exception. The thing is 99%, they're trying to do a good job. And in trying to do a good job, they're going to make mistakes. And that's okay. What did we learn from that mistake? How can we make sure we don't do it again? And it's okay. And right, all is well. Everybody makes mistakes. Well, as a leader, if you can put that in place, I'm telling you, people will come to you with new learnings, innovative ideas, stuff that works, stuff that didn't work. And they will be grateful that when they make a mistake, you're not punishing them. So this idea of I want to assume positive intent about my people, that they're coming to work to do a good job. And that we're going to learn from that and move on. And I'm grateful that you feel safe enough to talk to me about your mistakes. Now, you say, okay, yeah, that's, that's w, that'll never happen here. Well, let me tell you why you want it to happen where you work. When Gary Ridge took over about 12 years ago, they were a $250 million domestic company. 12 years later, their market cap is $3.5 They're an international company. Their stock has gone from whatever to $300. And if you talk to Gary Ridge, say, how did you get there? He will tell you, we led with gratitude. We put our people first. We made it safe. We don't make mistakes. We have learning moments. 
all those little touches. I didn't say it would be easy. I'm telling you, if you do it, I promise you it will work. We've got a database of over a million engagement surveys. We've studied this for 20 years. Eight principles of leading with gratitude, eight strategies on on reducing anxiety. And you know what? The gratitude piece, it's not a nice to have. It is a must have. And to wrap up, if you'd asked me three years ago, what are the attributes of great leaders? I probably would have said great communicator, motivator, visionary, engages his people, her people. Right now, there's only one attribute that matters, and it's because of the pandemic, no question, and it's empathy. Do your people know that you care about them? Do you assume positive intent about them? Do you express gratitude on a regular basis? And by the way, at the same time, being demanding, because at the end of the day, we're all in business to stay in business. (laughs) A culture of gratitude doesn't work if you don't turn a profit. And I'm telling you, you'll turn more profit if you lead with gratitude. So a big finish uh, to your podcast, lead with gratitude, tamp down anxiety. And let me tell you what, it's a great way to lead. We've got all the stats that'll tell you all the research that will work in business. In closing, take it home. Every one of these great leaders that we talked about, they all took that practice home with their families. They assumed positive intent about their kids, about their spouses. At the dinner table, they talked about what they were grateful for. They made sure that their spouses knew that they were cherished, that their kids knew that there was nothing more important than them. Don't leave your best self at work. That ripple effect of gratitude works in your personal life too. And you know what, my, my, my brother, I'm known as the apostle of appreciation. And that is my sermon, and I am sticking to it. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Amen and amen to that. I love it. Uh, Chester, I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I'm so glad that I kept the best for last. It has been really a great uh, conversation. I hope leaders that are listening, folks that are listening, that you really took in, you know, this whole gratitude stance because it does make a difference it will change not only your world it will change the world around you uh chester i am so grateful to share this platform with you today i'm so grateful for your personal journey and what you've been able to accomplish because i've been a benefactor of that Uh, i've watched your your coaching talks uh a part of method so I, i also see that as well And I really appreciate what you're doing uh, to leave a legacy of gratitude uh, for those that are following behind or even those that are spectating because those that are watching are learning as well. So folks, um, you know, leave with gratitude. And if you don't know what gratitude is, follow Chester. (laughs) You look at his (laughs) videos because they'll teach you everything you need to know. Now, Chester, if somebody wanted to get a hold of your books, Anxiety at Work, Leading with Gratitude, uh, maybe listen to some of your stuff, uh, where would they go for that? Uh, and how would they connect with you? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, follow me on LinkedIn. Follow my uh, co-author, Adrian Gostick, on LinkedIn. We've got um, a newsletter we put out twice a month called The Gratitude Journal. You know, we've got 127,000 subscribers and it's just a great message. We bring in, you know, um, guest authors. We uh, promote our podcast. Our podcast, Anxiety at Work, can be found anywhere where, you know, uh, podcasts can be found. 
Uh, our website is thecultureworks.com. When your culture works, everything else works. And you can find all about our speaking and our books and our executive coaching. So between LinkedIn and thecultureworks.com and our podcast, Anxiety at Work, you can find all our stuff. And by the way, most of it is free. You know, it, it really is our mission to create great places to work where people believe what they do matters. They make a difference. And when they make a difference, somebody uh, noticed it and said, thank you. So thanks for allowing me to pr promote our books and our business a little bit. It means the world to me. Thank you, Enrique. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I tell you, I, I've been a benefactor of it and I know that someone else will as, as well. Uh, folks, this is the end. 21. <laughs> PLW, Developing the Leader Within podcast. I am grateful for you as a listener. I'm grateful, grateful for all of my guests this year. We wish you a very Merry Christmas and a prosperous and a pro a productive new year coming into 22. Uh, stand by for this next uh, episode in January, which is the next one that comes out. But uh, as we love to close this show, First of all, again, Chester, and success to you. Thanks so much, my friend. Be well. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Triad Leadership Solutions and on Twitter at TLS underscore FL. Thanks again. I'll see you next week and success to you.